Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. there and welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're going to talk about what do meeting planners really want. And to kick off this interview, our guest is Hall of Fame speaker, Jay Bear. Hey, Jay, welcome to Speakernomics. Mr. Tom Singer, great to be here, my friend. Hello, everybody. So we're going to talk about what do meeting planners really want and need from speakers. So what are your two tips for speakers when it comes to dealing with meeting planners? Tip number one, understand that what meeting planners really want is an outcome. They want whatever audience you're delivering the presentation to, to be transformed in a way that they can identify and measure over the long haul. It's great to put up laughs uh, on stage, but what they want is long-term impact. And the second tip is give the meeting planner something to remember you by. Ooh, I love these tips, and we're going to have some fun unpacking those. But first, for those of you who don't know Jay Bear, and I don't know how you could be a professional speaker and never have heard his name, but he is a consultant to major brands. He has been doing this for a long, long time. He then wrote books. Then he became a speaker. In fact, he didn't even start speaking. His first paid speaking gig was only 12 years ago. And now he is in the Speaker Hall of Fame. He has a very successful speaking business and he helps companies exceed customer expectation. And he actually lets every meeting planner pick the suit he's going to wear on stage. So I just want to start with that because not everybody's going to know about this. I know about it. What do you mean you let them pick your suit? You bring them into your closet? What do you do? Well, here's what happened, Tom. I think as everybody knows who, who was in the speaking business, it's always nice when the audience can come up to you after the presentation, maybe ask a question, or maybe they've got an opportunity for you to speak to their group down the road. But, you know, when everybody's wearing the same blue or gray suit, it's kind of hard to find the speaker hours or days later. So my decision was, what if I just wore a very bright suit. It's easy to find me. So I did that for a couple of years and it worked out great. People would come up an hour later, two hours later, they'd instantly recognize me because of the suit. But then I decided, well, wait a second. 
yeah, this works for the audience, but the audience isn't my actual customer. The meeting planner is my customer. And I said, I need to make this an experience. So I bought even more suits. I now have 14 different crazy plaid suits and I built a website and the meeting planners get to go to the website, look at all the suits and pick out which one I'm going to wear on stage. Sometimes they want to match their logo. Sometimes they just like pink, doesn't matter. But now they're part of the gag and they remember that and they tell all the other meeting planners about the fact that they get to pick my suit. So it's the it's sort of the J-Bear special sauce. I would call it a talk trigger in the parlance of, uh, of one of my books about word of mouth. So it's really interesting because number one, it fits totally in with what you teach. I mean, from talk triggers to the other stuff you talk about exceeding what the customer expects. And number two, I've actually been to the website and played with it and you actually get to see all of the suits and you get to pick the one. It's no wonder meeting planners tell other meeting planners about it because what you've done is you've sort of practiced what you preached. And, and that's something a lot of speakers don't do, right? I don't want to say that speakers don't necessarily practice what they preach, but I will say that most speakers in my estimation don't really understand how much meeting planners view them as similar. Hmm. Meeting planners tend to lump speakers together categorically, right? This is a leadership speaker. This is a sales speaker. This is a motivational speaker. This is a customer experience speaker, et cetera. It's an MC. Um, and, and you've got to break out of that somehow. And I got to tell you, this will probably be a bit of a, a wet uh, blanket for many listeners. It's not about how good of a speaker you are, because guess what? Everybody who's a professional speaker is good. Some are better than others, but they're all good. So from a meeting planner standpoint, unless you are truly off the charts good and they're out there, but not very many, unless you're truly off the charts good, what they're going to remember you by and the story that they're going to tell about you is probably not what you deliver on the platform. It's how you are to work with. It's the fact that they got to pick your suit. It's something else that transcends the actual presentation. It transcends the actual presentation because your content and your delivery is probably not that much better than everybody else who speaks about the same topic you speak about. So, Jay, that's actually a really powerful thing. And I love it on Speakernomics when people drop something like that that's, you know, a little blunt. But the truth is, most speakers who are going to be out there that we're competing with are good enough. And so when I talk to a lot of people and I say, you know, what sets you up? They say, I'm great on stage. Well, so so are most people who are out there speaking are great on stage. So you bring up a really interesting thing. When we're going to differentiate, we have to come back with something that is an actual differentiation. So I think that's I think that's super important. Well, and let me just say, Tom, this is not just Jay thinks this is true. Uh, I did a research project um, at the very beginning of the pandemic of hundreds of meeting planners and asked them, when you are selecting a speaker, number one, how do you do that? By far, word of mouth. Number two, what do you pay the most attention to? And it was demonstrated specific expertise for this audience. Right. So it's it's specificity of expertise. It's not humor. It's not platform skills. It's not uh, experience as a speaker. It's relevance is essentially the one word I would use to describe it. It's relevance and stickiness in terms of telling stories about that speaker. So are you hyper relevant to the audience and have you given the meeting planner a story that they can quickly tell to other meeting planners about you? 
that's the key. All right, so let's get into your tips. Why don't you repeat your first tip and let's jump into why that matters so much when it comes to how people work with meeting planners. The first tip is is understanding that meeting planners care more about impact than they do about platform. Again, you delivering in 45 to 75 minutes is expected. That's the business, right? It is it is what they are paying you to do. So you delivering a good speech for an hour, it's like, yeah, that's what professional speakers do. But what meeting planners get rewarded for, what meeting planners get promoted for is not necessarily, wow, what an entertaining hour. It's when the CEO of the organization says, hey, that speaker, Tom Singer, who we had in for the program, he said some things that really made me think we put some of those into practice and six months later, the company is better or the people in the company are better, or now they're more motivated or now we've achieved our objectives, right? If, if you're not dealing in the economy of transformation, then you are just an entertainer. But ultimately what most meeting planners are going to be rewarded for is impact. Uh, CPAE Rory Vaden uh, has has said this to me for years and years and years, and I think it's apropos to this conversation, which is a speech is just an advertisement for what's possible. You're not selling speeches. You're selling impact. A speech is just an advertisement for what is possible. So what can speakers do to transform themselves so that they're putting this at the forefront of their focus rather than, wow, I'm great on stage? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question, Tom. The way I would the way I would think about that is put yourself in the mind of the audience and look 180 days out and say what will they have changed in their life in that 180 days and how will they tie that back to what you taught them? And and sometimes that requires you to make some adjustments to what you deliver on the platform in terms of assignments or recommendations or deadlines or worksheets or whatever the, the, the trappings of that are so that your content becomes more actionable and you actually give them assignments that stay with them over time. Nice. I like that. All right. Let's look at your second tip. Repeat that for everybody and then let's unpack that one a little bit. Second tip is is give the meeting planner uh, something to remember you by to give give them a story to tell. Like in my case, they get to pick the suit. Actually, you know what's what's great, Tom. The best possible situation with the suit game is, and this happens on occasion, when the meeting planner can't decide between their two favorite suits, so they send an email to all the attendees with their two favorites, and then let all the attendees pick. They get to vote. <laughs> so now the meeting planner's in on the gag and everybody in the room. And then you come out wearing the one that was victorious and everybody's applauding like, yeah, it's the blue suit that we picked out. That's, that's the best possible scenario, right? Everybody's, uh, everybody's playing at that point. So it doesn't have to be uh, a suit. It doesn't have to be the fact that you uh, have a, a trained uh, chimpanzee uh, in, as part of your program, although that would probably work. Uh, you just have to say, all right, what is the very succinct story I want the meeting planner to tell? Is it the thank you gift that I send to meeting planners uh, after the event? Is it a thank you gift I send before the event? Is it um, how I uh, greet the meeting planner when I arrive? Like, what is the shtick? The one thing that they'll remember because meeting planners have typically worked with a lot of really good speakers. One of the questions I always ask in prep calls is who's the best speaker you've ever worked with and why? 
you learn a lot when you ask that question. Uh, and I got to tell you, it's almost never, I've asked that question hundreds of times, almost never is it about the speaker's content. It's always about how it was to work with them. So let's unpack this for uh, the, the speaker who dresses a little more average. I don't have, you know, 14 plaid. <laughs> I, I don't have 14 plaid suits, right? I'm, 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 I'm a middle-aged guy. What's something that someone like me can do right now, starting with the next phone call I get that helps me stand out? It can absolutely be what happens on that phone call, right? Or how you do the follow-up. Uh, CSP uh, Jess Pettit does a great job with this, with her incredible video that she sends uh, meeting planners. So uh, her gag is when you fill out an inquiry on her on her website, uh, she sends back a, a video to the person that, that shows them how to fold a fitted sheet, which many of us have tried to fold a fitted sheet. It is diabolically difficult. I, I just grab them. I just grab them and I, I, I roll it up into a ball and just shove it into the cabinet. That's exactly how I do it. Uh, and I thought that was sort of how it was supposed to be, but apparently no, according to uh, CSP Jess Pettit, there's a whole system uh, and she shows you how to do this in this video. Now, Jess is a marvelous, marvelous speaker, uh, an incredible uh, thought leader uh, globally on her topic, but she first showed me the fitted sheet video. That's a tricky one to say. The fitted sheet <laughs> video years ago years ago and i still remember it right so it doesn't have to be you don't have to invest in 14 suits you just got to invest in something that nobody else does nice that is so interesting because i've, I've seen her fitted sheet video and she does she can fold it so that it looks like it's actually a regular sheet with little tight hospital corners it's, when you put it into the when you put it into the cabinet there's no there's none of the elastic hanging out etc but what's great about that is it also shows her personality. It's not something absolutely not everyone could do that because not everyone has that type of personality and has the background in comedy that she happens to have. But what if she's not doing the bed, bath and beyond keynote, there's something wrong in this universe. <laughs> it feels like a natural, a natural opportunity. But, but what I'm hearing you say is you can find something that's true to who you are. If you're a little bit more buttoned up, you could have some sort of a follow up video that still is providing value and showing who you are. It doesn't have to be goofy or silly but it has to be you absolutely and if it's not you that will be readily apparent right you know how dogs can smell fear how no how but you, you you've, you've heard that I, tale i know dogs they can, can smell i know fear. they yes. can yes. smell fear but i don't know how yes. no i don't know how either oh. but in the same way that dogs can smell fear meeting planners they, they know if you're faking it so if you're going to have a story that meeting planners tell about you, it's got to be something that that is true to who you are and what you believe. Right. So I couldn't do a fitted sheet video because it wouldn't feel on brand and it doesn't make sense. Now, I could do a tequila video because I'm a licensed uh, tequila sommelier. I could I could make tequila recommendations uh, for every meeting planner based on a quiz that they give them on my website. And maybe I will do that at some point. That makes sense, right? So you just got to figure out like, what's your deal? And and it probably isn't, as it isn't with my suit or with just the sheet, it probably isn't about your topic. It's about your passion, right? So if you are a bowler and, and you are active in your bowling league in your town, I would do something really funny around bowling. And maybe it's not even funny. Maybe it's like literally here's, here's Tom Singer's uh, eight tips to be a better bowler. If I was a meeting planner, I would totally remember that. So I love this because for everybody listening, there's another underlying thing that I think we have to say is 
Be true to yourself and don't copy what other people are doing. Don't create a pick my dress off of the website type thing because that's something that Jay did. But it's finding something that's truly you and unique and create a way to create some sort of a thing that stands out. And that's really going to really going to help you do that. So when we're really looking at all of this, what other what other advice? What's the other next step for speakers? Yeah, I think part of it is to think about, all right, what are the three things that you would do? without getting paid, right? Or, or if money was no object, what would your job be? I would probably start a tequila brand, literally. So that's one area you might think about, all right, if this is truly what I'm passionate about, then can I turn that into something that, that meeting planners would, would remember, right? So it, it'll work best if it comes from your heart, not necessarily from, from your head. And then you've just got to figure out, all right, when in the relationship with the planner do you deploy this? Is it at the very, very, very beginning, as Jess does? Or is it well towards the end, as I do it with the suit? There is no right answer in that. It's just where does it make sense in the sequence of touch points that you have with with your clients? Um, other tip I would say, Tom, is don't do more than one. And and I've talked to speakers about this um, casually offline. And they're like, well, I could do this and I could also do this. and I could also do that. Don't do that. Do one thing that you want people to remember, because if you do multiple, you're competing against yourself <laughs> for, for notoriety and mindshare. So, so don't say, I'm going to do this kind of thing at the phone call. And then this thing as a thank you note and this other thing when I get there and this other thing a year later, just pick one uh, and do it well. So your background is you, you ran a consulting agency for a long time before you became a mm -hmm. speaker. And so mm -hmm. you said it was 12 years ago that, that you got your first paid speaking gig. Mm -hmm. And yet it was just 10 years after that, that you were inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame. So what are some things that you did from the time you said, hey, I kind of like this speaking stuff to really achieving sort of the, the, the top of the brand? Well, I think part of it is understanding that making audiences demonstrably better over the mid and long term is actually the business that we're in. And as a consultant, and I'm still a consultant, that's easier right? Because I'm doing the work. I'm in the work. The same things that I tell people to do on stage are the same things I tell them to do on page in a book. And the same things I tell them to do in a strategic plan that I might sell a company. It's the exact same. It's just a different, it's just a different conveyance mechanism. So that helps, right? That, that relevancy is relevancy is easier when you're doing the work. No question about that. And it's a real advantage for me. Uh, and then the other thing is, is being a marketing consultant is sort of understanding marketing and how to, how to make it easy to buy from you and, and think about what are all the questions that, that a meeting planner or a speaker selection committee needs to have answered and, and then answer those as quickly and simply as possible so that they never have doubt. I'll tell you one of the things I do and feel free to steal this idea. Anybody on my website, when you sign up for my newsletter, uh, the bear facts, which is the bearfacts.com, I send you back a speaker selection checklist which is a PDF, which has all these different criteria about, you know, speaker does this, does this, does this, does this, and people download it and it actually helps them figure out who to hire, whether it's me or not, doesn't matter. It's not about me. It's about here's an asset that you can use to make your speaker selection process better. Those kind of things uh, have, have really helped me. I, I've said from the very beginning, I want to be the easiest to work with speaker. I will never be the best speaker. I'm pretty good. But there's uh, lots and lots of NSA members 
who are better than me. I'll never be as good as them. And I don't want to be. I'm not going to, it doesn't matter. But if I can be the easiest to work with or among the easiest to work with, that will absolutely help. So we live in an era where people aren't easy to work with. In fact, across many industry lines, it seems like it's getting harder to do business with people. It's like they're, they actually wear it as a badge of honor to, to make it difficult to do business with them. And I've talked to meeting planners. There are some speakers who are not easy to work with. So what are some of the things a speaker can do to make sure that the meeting planner says they're a dream to work with, they're easy to work with? This will sound reductive, but I don't know that it is. Answer the phone and reply to emails. Right. Like that sounds like simple advice, but if it was simple, I wouldn't give it. Uh, it's crazy. You've probably seen this, Tom. I know a lot of people uh, tuning into the show have, have seen it over the last two years. The lead time that speakers are afforded has shrunk considerably. <laughs> right. I got a call today. Hey, can you do a program in 15 days? And I was like, maybe, but. Like, okay, that's pretty tight to do all the paperwork and the prep call and do the performance. And You know, it used to be you'd get two months, six months, you know. I mean, it was a year when I got into the business. I mean, yeah. my, my first contract that I was booked at a, like a legitimate speaking rate was, I think, 11 months out from when I booked it. And that was not uncommon. And I couldn't tell you, even pre-pandemic, the last time someone booked me 11 months out. I mean, six months out to eight months was pretty, was pretty normal. But I also had a call last week for somebody who wanted me in three weeks in person. Yep. And it was like, huh, what do you know? And they said that they, they apologized for looking for a speaker so late, but they hadn't signed any contracts to the event until they knew they could do the event. That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah, they don't know if they can do it live. They don't know if, they, if they've got the technology to do it. Um, the, the, the time horizon has shrunk so much and, and they're picking speakers later and they're giving themselves correspondingly less time to pick a speaker. So it used to be, all right, we're going to spend three weeks to find a keynoter. Now they're going to spend an afternoon to find a keynoter. I'm not joking. I'm serious about that. So if you don't get back to them fast, you're not even in the game anymore, right? It has to be instantaneous response. What, what I often do is when I see a lead come through, I immediately record a video that says, Tom, thanks very much for your inquiry. Uh, I've done just a couple minutes of research on your company and your, your event. Uh, I think it'd be a good fit for it. Here's why. Obviously, we need to talk more about customizing the content for your audience. I would love to uh, work with you. Meanwhile, my agent, Michelle Joyce, will be in touch within the hour to see if we can work this out. Thanks very much for thinking of me. Boom. And they get that back within 10 minutes. Nice. Nice. Because the first one that gets back to them, it may not get hired, but you're definitely going to be considered. And if you're not at least considered, then why are you doing this? <laughs> so any other tips on how to be easy to work with? Make sure that your topics that you have presumably on your website uh, make sense, right? That, that the um, names of the topics make sense, that you've got some level of detail there about what this um, topic is and, and why audiences care. That sounds super obvious, but again, I, I see a lot of sites that, that don't have very good titles and descriptions of their talks. And then I would also argue that this is a little bit post-sale than, than getting hired, but just making sure that 
whomever is on the client side really understands the process. Even if they've worked with lots of speakers in the past, every speaker does it a little differently in terms of prep calls and details and logistics. So what we really focus on is from the jump, right? The second we know we're going to work with them, we articulate a very detailed sort of timeline. Here's what's going to happen. Here's who this person is on James J's team. Here's where this other person is just so that they never have a question like to me, the worst question I can be asked is I wasn't sure what was going to happen next. What comes next? Right. That's a cardinal sin. If a meeting planner says what comes next, you have dropped the ball informationally and there's no excuse for that. All right. My last question. People are listening. They've stuck with us for 23 minutes through this whole interview. We said it's what meeting planners want and need. I think we covered a lot about what they want. Is there anything that meeting planners need? Meeting planners need whoever their boss is to recognize that the speaker, the meeting planner hired had a material impact on the success of the audience. And that's not measured in applause. That's measured in some kind of larger, longer term outcome. All right. Well, Jay Bear, thank you so much for being a guest on Speakernomics. Any final thoughts? I know it's been a crazy time out there and everybody uh, is kind of throwing up their hands, wondering what's to become of this business. Speakers are incredibly important. Many of the great advances in the world are because a speaker suggested it. We're doing great work. Uh, Just hang in there. Uh, It's going to be okay. Awesome. Well, again, Jay, thanks for joining us. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Do us a favor. Join us every single week right here where you're going to get more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast, speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.